Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Western New York race fans, it's time to crank it up. For the next hour, the airwaves belong to you. Sit down, strap in, and let's head to WGR's Fast Track. All right, take a nice big deep breath, buddy. With your host, let's go out there and have a good day, all right, bud? Dave Buchanan. Good morning, race fans. 1102 here on WGR Sports Radio 550. And welcome to another edition of WGR's Fast Track. I'm Dave Buchanan. Thanks for listening, as always, and these gorgeous 80-degree temperatures here in Western New York kind of taking the sting out of last night's uh, Buffalo Bandits loss in Game 1 of the NLL Finals. You heard there from Mike in the update and uh, Sean Gertler, Randy Mearns there on the call on the goal by Chase Frazier, but unfortunately the Bandits rally came up short. Tough loss last night, very frustrating loss, especially for the Buffalo offense as Calgary's defense did a pretty good job of shutting them down, but uh, it's off to Calgary uh, this Saturday night for Game 2, and that'll be here on WGR, uh, 9 o'clock face-off. Uh, John Gertler will have pregame at 8.30 here on WGR. So since I've been opening up the show with Bandits Talk for the last two weeks, I figured I, even though they lost, I figured I'd keep it going here. And uh, again, it's now uh, two do-or-die games for the Bandits. Win next week and then bring it back home for Game 3 on May 31st. That's what we're looking forward to. All right, 803-0551-888-550-2550. Lots going on. It is the month of May. Things are heating up both uh, nationally, internationally, and locally around racetracks all over the place, including at the Brickyard Indianapolis, as today is pole day and bump day at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway for next week's uh, running of the 103rd uh, Indianapolis 500, the greatest spectacle in racing. We're talking more about that coming up in about, 11 minutes with Jim Aiello from the Indianapolis Star. Jim uh, does a great job uh, coming on the program with us every now and then, and he will be joining us hopefully live from Indianapolis at quarter past the hour. Yesterday was the first part of qualifying day, which locked in positions 10 through 30. Those positions are set. The fastest nine qualifiers will go head-to-head today for the fast nine in the first three rows of the Indianapolis 500, and it's bump day for the final six cars in qualifying as three out of those six cars will go home, and there are some pretty big names in that mix as James Hinchcliffe is in danger of missing his second straight Indianapolis 500. Hinch crashing and qualifying yesterday, went to a backup car but could not muster enough speed to get in, so Hinch will once again be trying to bump his way into the Indianapolis 500. Also, Fernando Alonso, the Formula for, former Formula One driver, he also crashed a primary car earlier this week, and they had to go to a backup car uh, uh, on Thursday. They worked on it all day Friday and thought he was going to get into the top 30 but got bumped out towards the end of the session, and Alonso will also have to try and bump his way in today and get one of those final three spots. The other drivers that are going uh, for the final six positions are Sage Karam for Dreyer Reinbold Racing, Max Chilton and Patrick Ward for Harding Racing, and uh, Kyle, Kaiser, Kyle Kaiser, also the uh, sixth and final driver 
that's going to be uh, in that bump session at the end of qualifying. That, that gets going at about uh, 12.15 today, I believe, with uh, pole qualifying. And that goes for an hour. And then the hour after that is the uh, bump session for the six drivers. The Fast 9, the nine drivers going for the pole today at the Brickyard. Uh, very uh, interesting uh with you look at the teams represented, you got Spencer Piggott. He was fastest overall yesterday with a top four lap average speed of 230.083 miles an hour, just two one thousandths quicker than Will Power for Penske Racing. Spencer Piggott driving for Ed Carpenter Racing. Uh, Penske well represented with Will Power, Simon Pagano, Joseph Newgarden, second, third, and fourth fastest. Then you got Colton Herta. Then you got two more Ed Carpenter cars with a couple of Eds, Ed Jones and Ed Carpenter, sixth and seventh fastest. Former Indy 500 winner Alexander Rossi, eighth, and Sebastian Bourdais, the final of the Fast Nine that will uh, have a chance to lead the field to green next Sunday in the greatest spectacle in racing, the uh, Indianapolis 500. So we're going to talk more about that uh, coming up at 11.15 with Jim Aiello from the Indianapolis Star. Also yesterday, NASCAR All-Star Race last night at the Charlotte Motor Speedway, the uh, annual Saturday night tradition there under the lights at the Charlotte Motor Speedway, and Kyle Larson picking up the win after transferring from the uh, the open race, the uh, the qualifying race beforehand. He got in and made a charge in the final stage. It kind of came out of nowhere, really, in that last stage um, to hold off Kevin Harvick to pick up his first ever all-star win last night and a huge win for that young man as he's kind of struggled here to start the 2019 season. Um, but Larson picks up the win over Kevin Harvick, Kyle Busch finishing in third, Joey Logano is fourth, Bubba Wallace. How about Bubba Wallace? What a great story that was yesterday. Finishes fifth and it has been a rough year for Bubba. You speak of Larson's rough season, but how about Bubba Wallace? Uh, he was in tears. I think it was at Dover. A um, couple of weeks ago, during doing some media availability, he is struggling with some some mental health issues with you know his team's performance. Uh, you know he's very frustrated that the, the him and the Richard Petty Motorsports team has been struggling this year. And you know, of course, he had that great run at Daytona uh, last year, finishing second, but really has not had a ton of success here in his his first year and a half in the Cup Series. But uh, to get that spot uh, in the second stage of the open race and then uh, you know having that emotional interview on Fox and getting a big hug from Ryan Blaney real feel good uh, moment for Bubba Wallace and on top of that there's been a lot of rumors that uh, this could be the end for Richard Petty Motorsports as uh, there's rumors that the team could be folding or selling off their charter and uh, scaling down and and really you know scaling down to a maybe a part-time team or, or just folding all together. So really, things have not been good at Richard Petty Motorsports, and uh, for them to get that win, it was just a stage win, obviously, but still huge. Uh, just a feel-good moment for that team to hopefully, you know, get themselves turned around and hopefully get everybody on the right mindset. Because uh, Bubba Walsh really been, you know, sh- he really shows his heart on his sleeve, and have been showing a lot of emotion here this season. So it was just probably feel good and a great moment for Bubba during driver introductions. Um, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna tweet the picture out later, but if you didn't see it, but Bubba during driver reductions coming out, taking the two bottles of his sponsor's product and pouring them on him like he was Stone Cold Steve Austin or something. That was also probably my favorite moment of the night too during driver intros. There's a great photo of it. Tweet it out later. So Bubba finished fifth. Uh, Austin Dillon or uh, Eric Almirola finishing sixth. Austin Dillon seventh. Alex Bowman, William Byron, and Martin Truex rounding out the top ten. Then you had Brad Keselowski, Clint Boyer, Ryan Newman, Chase Elliott, Jimmy Johnson, Ryan Blaney, Kurt Busch, Denny Hamlin, and Eric Jones. That was the finish for the All Star race. And you, Boyer and Newman, of course, having their own little drama uh, on and off the track. 
as uh, Newman took uh, offense to some contact with Clint Boyer. Boyer thought Newman was a lap down, and then Boyer, uh, it, in typical Boyer fashion, you know, he's a history of running after people. Uh, or Phoenix a few years ago, and he ran af- run up ran up to Newman's car and started punching away inside the driver compartment of a uh, Ryan Newman last night. Of course, Boyer did it still with his helmet on. Uh, those two scuffled and yelled at each other and said bad words that they had to bleep out on television, but still uh, some kind of drama moment, kind of more funny than anything at this point, but still uh, a little bit of drama there between uh, Newman and Boyer. But I thought it was a pretty good all-star race. The Open, I think the last two years now, the Open race has been the more entertaining one uh, because there's a, a lot more contact, a uh, lot more guys willing to to get desperate Um for uh, to to get those spots to qualify um, into the in, into the uh, All Star race, uh, we had a couple incidents. Daniel Hemrick and Ryan Priest they got together. Uh, I thought Hemrick was gonna you know, Hemrick was gonna be one of those guys that won one of those stages last night, but him and Priest bounced off each other. And there was a couple other incidents um, in the open race. Um, Daniel Suarez and uh, Bubba Walls, of course, coming to the checkered flag in their stage, and they got together, and uh, Suarez went sliding through the grass. So the Open, I think, always provides more of those exciting moments in the All-Star race than the actual All-Star race itself. So uh, those were very entertaining, and I think it's fun um, to see you know guys like that get some TV time, get some time running up front. Uh, obviously, it's a smaller field, and some of the bigger names aren't in the race, but I th- still think it's cool when you see guys like that, like Bubba Wallace, uh, like uh, Daniel Hemrick, you know, they get a shot to run up front and, and run for, for some kind of glory again, even if it's a stage win in the open race. I still think it's interesting to watch, and uh, it's just good to see those guys, you know, get some attention paid towards them, and it helps them and their sponsors and everything. So the open was the better part of the show, but the All-Star race wasn't that bad. Thank goodness there was a lot of restarts because uh, in true mile-and-a-half fashion, if they got on a long run, the leader would pull away. Wasn't you know, Nobody blew anybody's doors off. I don't think we had much more of a lead over two seconds last night, but certainly uh, it was uh, all the restarts helped because they were going hell-bent on the restarts. We saw three. We saw four wide. Uh, a couple of times they're late, especially in that third stage. They wound up four wide at one point. So that's what kept it really exciting as uh, NASCAR continued to tweak the aero package. They had those uh, hood openings, those air ducts on the hood of the car last night. Uh, not sure. I haven't read too much how much of an impact those were. It, it seemed about as same as what we've seen in the current package on some of the other mile-and-a-half tracks that we've seen already in 2019. And, you know, the last... Um, the Kansas race uh, was, you know, a little bit better. Like I said, the coming out of Kansas that that night race a couple of weeks ago, I thought we started we're seeing better racing with this aero package. We saw more of it last night too, but definitely uh, the the short runs are a lot more interesting. And again, the longer it went on, guys seemed to pull away. Although it's still not a the second place car still has if they're stronger, they can definitely reel in and catch that leader. And the clean air isn't as huge an impact for the leader as it is the dirty air, but that uh, Larson getting the win. And uh, so that puts the all-star race in the book and NASCAR will now, you know, turn its attention uh, next week to the Coca-Cola 600, the uh, longest race on their schedule. And uh, again, I think as I, as I said last week, this part of the season uh, is really, um, you know, it's a really important part of the season because I think it really uh, sets the tone for the summer month and which guys are going to be maybe, giving it all to try and, uh, you know, steal a win 
to uh, make it into the playoffs and which guys kind of know that they can get through this summer probably on points if they don't have a win already. Uh, we talked a little bit about it last week, but you got Jimmy Johnson now sitting on the bubble heading into next week, and you got guys like Newman and Dylan and Byron and Menard on the outside looking in. But then again, after Ricky Stenhouse, it really falls off. And, uh, you know, we're only got, so we got about 20, 21 guys really with a mathematical chance, I think, at this point to get in on points. Um, so, so, you know, four or five of those guys aren't going to make the playoffs. And we'll see if, uh, if anybody gambles at uh, you know, some of the road course tracks coming up with uh, Sonoma, Watkins Glen, or what's going to happen later on uh, during the summer. But uh, really, traditionally, it seems like the guys in the playoffs coming out of that Coke 600 are usually pretty much set in stone outside of a few crazy exceptions where guys have, you know, found their way in like an AJ Allmendinger or something or a Marcus Ambrose winning it, Watkins Glen or something. Really the playoff field picture is pretty clear coming out of Charlotte. So we'll see how that continues to play out. Uh, 803-0551, 888-550-2550. We're going to hopefully get Jim Aiello here on the phone in just a minute from the Indianapolis Star as uh, rain, unfortunately, is uh, also being mentioned for the Indianapolis Motor Speedway today. And if it does rain out, the uh, Fast 9 will be set. Spencer Pickett would be your pole sitter for the Indy 500 should that qualifying session uh, rain out. Thankfully, though, bump day will not be rained out. I, the backup plan for pole, uh, bump day would be tomorrow. So they're not going to, you know, they're going to give those six guys one more shot on track to, you know, get their way into the field, which I think is very fair. I don't mind the uh, them scrapping the Fast 9 if that gets rained out today. but uh, So that would put Spencer Piggott on the pole. But uh, Ed Carpenter Racing always seems to come you know, loaded for bear when it comes to Indianapolis. Ed Carpenter, an Indianapolis native, uh, huge uh, local fan favorite. I think one of the past couple of races, when he took the lead, uh, that place went nuts. Uh, he's uh, got a good uh, hometown fan base there in Indianapolis, and he is uh, in the Fast 9 along with his two other cars. Let's go to the Western Hotline, though, and go live to Indianapolis and bring in from the Indianapolis star Jim Aiello joins us on the line. Jim, it's Dave Buchanan here in Buffalo. Thank you for joining us on a busy morning. Oh, thanks for having me, Dave. I'm, uh, exciting. It's going to be an exciting day, I think, as long as the weather holds. Uh, obviously, the key word from yesterday was drama. I know you wrote about it yesterday and did uh, a video piece there on the Indy Star website, but drama was definitely the key word yesterday with qualifying. Yeah, I know. I think if you watch that video, you get a pretty good picture of what happened yesterday because I was flustered after the end of that day. Um, it was just incredibly, uh, incredibly crazy, a million storylines going on, just chaotic, which is, again, I talked to Mark Miles this morning, and he was just thrilled. I mean, that's exactly what IndyCar wanted. It was a day full of drama, a day full of, of chaos and I think there was something, I think it was 70, more than 70 attempts out there. And teams are trying to get out there and make sure they, they, they can save their, you know, their Indy 500 dreams and not have it come all down to today. So, yeah, in terms of drama, it was really just uh, everything IndyCar could have wanted. I think NBC is probably pretty happy about it, too. I haven't seen the overnight TV ratings yet, but uh, obviously a good day. And it comes at the expense a little bit of, of guys like James Hinchcliffe and Fernando Alonso, two of the biggest names here at Indy. And, uh, of course, Hinchcliffe, we all know his history here, mm-hmm. the guy almost died here a few years ago. He got bumped last year. He was on the pole um, right after the, you know, the year after he got into that accident. So he's had such up and down career here. And uh, this place seems to have it out for him. So obviously that's a, a hugely compelling storyline. And then, yeah, Fernando Alonso being who he is, the two-time uh, world champion driver, and his team just not having this pace. And, and, and pretty much him saying on camera, McLaren came not prepared. They didn't come prepared for this. They weren't ready for the challenge. And this is what happens. And he said, if we get bumped, that's what we deserve. So 
that's a huge storyline. And of course, on, on the other end of the spectrum, you know, the euphoria of a small time team like like Dragon Speed and Ben Hanley as a rookie and, and making it over some of these other, you know, Goliaths in the sport and Pippa Mann, you know, getting her redemption story after getting bumped. I mean, there was just chock full of drama yesterday. <laughs> yeah, lots of great stories up and down the list. Let's let's just quickly go back to Alonso and Hinchcliffe. They, of course, were bit by crashes this week, uh, Hinch yesterday, and I, I think Alonso earlier in the week. Uh, do yep. you think these backup cars are going to have enough speed today to find their way into the field of 33? Do you think the teams are going to be able to uh, have done enough work here overnight to get these cars ready for today? I'm very confident in uh, what Aeroschmidt-Peterson Motorsports was able to do. Um, they went out here in practice actually this morning and turned a lap at 228. There was a little bit of, not a ton of time for practice, and they only got to run, I think it was something like 10 or 11 laps. Mm-hmm. But um, they, looked, they looked fast. Talked to James Hinchcliffe afterward. He sounded real confident. I think that an overnight of trying to you know, make the car like the Speedway car, make sure everything is aligned and, and, and perfectly set up. I think this team has just too much resources, too many good people working with them that uh, I can't see him getting bumped today. That's my, I guess that's my bold prediction. But, uh, mm-hmm. no, I don't think, honestly, of the six guys, I'm the, that's, that's the most confident I am in terms of making the show. Uh, Fernando Alonso, I'm not going <laughs> to – I can't say I'm as confident in their, uh, in their uh, prospects today. Mm-hmm. They just haven't had the pace. Alonso said it the same yesterday. They just haven't had the speed. Um, I, I, I know that they've done a ton of work. There's been um, they've been talking to some teams. It sounds like a little bit in the paddock, trying to get a little help from the setup. Uh, Zach Brown said this morning in a kind of a coy way, it's a friendly paddock, <laughs> so maybe he, they got a little help overnight with the setup. So we'll see what they have in store today. They they didn't get it. They only ran five laps in practice, but it was really kind of more just feeling out their new setup. So they made wholesale changes last night. So I, I it's hard to know what they got in store. But I know they're they're hoping for, you know, a little more practice time if this rain holds off. But yeah, it's hard hard to say what's uh, what's coming for these guys. Yeah, uh, the weather there in Indianapolis, I know uh, the if it rains out, there won't be any more uh, pole qualifying, but they'll still do bump day tomorrow. How is it looking weather-wise there in Indianapolis? Uh, cloudy with a lot of chance of storm. It's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's quite cloudy here. Um, there's already raindrops. They had to cancel practice early because the track was getting wet. Yeah. Um, and uh, the forecast doesn't look great. I mean, I think about it, the last I saw around 2 o'clock, it's supposed to really come hard, but... If, even if even if there are enough droplets going on here and, and just sprinkles of rain, that'll keep cars off track until the real storm hits. So this thing could get pushed till tomorrow. And as you said, they won't run the fast nine. We'll just have um, they'll just lock in what happened yesterday. So Spencer Pickett would be your pole sitter, and then yeah, we'll do we'll do the bumping tomorrow. Yeah, fun story with the fast nine: the the three Ed Carpenter cars and the three Penske cars, along with the uh, uh, Rossi and Bourdais, but uh, and Herda up there in the in the fast nine, but. <laughs> yeah. uh, the, the is Ed Carpenter. They're just you know they're kind of like the hometown team there in Indianapolis, and it was uh, great to see them have a lot of su- success yesterday. Absolutely, you know Ed Carpenter grew up around here. He's a member of the the, the family here, and I, I went to Butler, so I, you know everybody in Indianapolis loves Ed, and and these guys just haven't figured out. And man, they got the formula for for Indianapolis. It's, it's incredible. He's got three cars in the fast nine again. He did the same thing last year. If you remember, Ed was on pole. Mm-hmm. Spencer Piggott, Danica Patrick were in the fast nine. This year, he's got um, Ed Jones and Spencer Pickett along with him in the fast nine. These guys just—they just—they just know how to get it done here. It's really that simple. I mean, they—they they, whatever that secret sauce is for, for Indianapolis, they got it. And um, obviously, they're going to be competing with the Penske cars today. As you mentioned, they had three of their four drivers make the fast nine. You got Will Power, last year's winner, Simon Pagano, and Joseph Newgarden all showed great pace. And so it's—it's you know that's six Chevrolets with a lot of power, a lot of speed. It's going to be tough, I think, for uh, for the three Hondas, the Alexander Rossi, Sebastian Bourdais, and Colton Herta. To overcome them, obviously they got to be thrilled with their starting in the fast nine. But um, but yeah, I, if I had to put my money down on someone, it would probably be one of those Chevys. 
Jim Aiello from the Indy Star joining us live here on Fast Track. Jim, a very exciting field. I think seven former winners, tons of exciting rookies with the Ericsons and Rosenquist and Hertas and Santino Ferrucci, a lot of exciting rookies. Uh, who are some of your favorites for next Sunday? I don't know how much you've learned in practice this week, but who are some of your favorites heading into next Sunday's race? Is there a race next week? I oh, gosh, I'm so wrapped up in qualifying, man. It's, it's, I haven't even thought about next week. I uh, no, it's been, it's just been so chaotic here, and it's been it's been fun. I think it's everything that IndyCar went, like wanted out of it in terms of just trying, you know, making it a separate event. But yeah, no, looking into next week, I mean, it's kind of ha- doesn't it have to be the guys that we're talking about in the Fast Nine? I mean, we, you know, the guys, have, the, the drivers have talked all week about how these cars are are still tough to handle in traffic. It's still hard to make passes when you're when you're you're behind five, ten, fifteen other cars. So mm. I do think the guys that are starting up front are gonna have a big advantage. And um, so yeah, that means I think the Ed Carpenter cars, the Penske cars, I mean Penske's been incredible here um, for 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 years. He's got seventeen Borg Warner trophies yep. to show for it. So um, or baby Borgs I should say. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so like I said I I'm betting on a Chevrolet and if I'm like I said I I, I feel like I'm copping out and not going with any uh, a bold prediction, but no, I, I think it's going to be hard to bet against uh, Carpenter and Penske right now. Uh, well, you like the Chevys, but uh, I, I, I had do. I had Mark Janes on last week, and he had a lot of good things to say about Marco Andretti, who qualified 10th yesterday in a Honda, however, uh, handicap his chances to put the Andretti family back in victory lane at Indianapolis. Well, i got to tell you, I would be a big fan of that happening just because, my gosh, would that be a story. Can you <laughs> imagine Marco Andretti winning Indianapolis 500 50 years after his grandfather did it and all the bad luck and putting, putting an end to the, you know, the quote-unquote Andretti curse and, and all that stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not opposed because I feel like that story just writes itself. Sure. But, um, you know, Marco Andretti, no, he's been quick. There's no doubt. The Andretti cars are absolutely, you can make an argument, as, as the Honda cars with the best chance in terms of, of competing with those Chevrolets. Obviously, it's exemplified by the fact that you have Alexander Rossi in the Fast 9 and Colton Herta, you know, who is with Harding Steinbrenner Racing, but they share that technical alliance with Andretti is essentially running a fifth Andretti car. So, yeah, absolutely, or I'm sorry, six. Yeah, forgot about Connor Daly there for a second. Uh, sixth Andretti car for the 500, but yeah, I definitely think Marco's got a shot. He's been, you know, we all know how good he's been here. He's mm-hmm. been so close to winning. This guy knows how to put together 500 miles. That's that. I think that's the experience. I think we saw last year with with Will Power. I think you kind of see these guys that would have experience. They know that you just got to survive these for the first 250 miles. You know. Yeah. It's, or uh, so I mean, it's just, it's one of those things that I think um, Marco Andretti has you know more, more experience and, and more knowledge and more power, more knowledge and more <laughs> I'm sorry data and information from Andretti than most other teams have. So yeah, I mean he's uh, again. I'm you know I'm I'm talking. Chevys are going to have to be the favorites, but among the Hondas, I, I absolutely think Marco's got a good shot. Uh, lots of celebrities coming to Indianapolis next week, and I saw Matt Damon and, and I think Christian Bale are going to be there. Yeah. What What's the big concert in the infield during the race? I know that's become a big thing the last couple of years. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, gosh. You put me on the spot. I think it's Foreigner, right? I think it's Foreigner is going to be there, and then Cool in the Gang? I think that's right. <laughs> I think I have that right. I, I, uh, I don't... I don't spend a lot of time with the concerts, admittedly. That, that's a good, I, good. But, that'd be my move too. I was just curious if you knew. <laughs> but no, I do. I believe it's those guys, and then they have that big EDM show for yeah, five days. So that's, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's a it's a whole. They got concerts and a whole event here. I mean, that's that's part of the draw of this place, honestly. I mean, you, I think you, I, I think it was Doug Bowles, you know, the president of IMS, said I think eighty percent of the fans here aren't really actually you know IndyCar fans. They're sure. just fans of the event and fans of the show, and yeah. so yeah, I think the celebrities are a big draw and. and and so apparently, I think, I, 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 gosh, I hope I'm right. I'm pretty sure it's Foreigner. Pretty sure. 
<laughs> that's all right. I'm sorry to put you on the spot. I was just, no, that's just okay. I, I should know. I should know. That's all right. <laughs> well, Jim, thank you again. I know busy morning with, with qualifying going on. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, enjoy today and enjoy next Sunday. Uh, we're excited about it here in, in Buffalo. We'll be watching, but uh, enjoy it there in Indianapolis. Thank you for your time today. Thanks so much. I'll come for uh, no rain and some good, some fun races. Sounds good. Jim Aiello from the Indianapolis Star does a great job uh, covering IndyCar and the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Uh, find him on Twitter uh, at Jim Aiello, and uh, he has a lot of great content uh, for the Indy Star and USA Today, uh, both in print and does some video content as well too. So if you ever want to stay on top of, of what's going on, really, Jim is one of the guys to follow to kind of keep on tabs on what's going on with the IndyCar world. Uh, I forgot to tease. We have a special guest, hopefully. Fingers crossed. I'm not even going to say who it is because I have a history with cool guests and phones and connections, so I'm not going to jinx I'm going to not jinx it and not say who it is until we get him on the line in 10, uh, 11.35. But uh, stick with us through the break. Hopefully we come back. we got a really cool guest. Uh, if not, we can take your phone calls at 803-0551, 888-550-2550. Uh, if not, we'll break down a little bit more about NASCAR and IndyCar. And, again, love to take your phone calls, and maybe I'll just – complain about the bandits loss. I don't know. Hopefully this guest comes through. Should be good to go. Hopefully it should be fun if we get him. Well, we'll be back with more fast track here on WGR. Hi, this is Brad Keselowski, driver of the number 2 Discount Tire Ford. You're listening to WGR Sports Radio 550. Sorry, I said it last week too, but that makes me laugh every time. I don't know. For some reason way Brad says WGR 11:32 here on WGR Sports Radio 550. Dave Buchanan here and WGR's Fast Track. Next week, we'll be on at 10 a.m., kind of a tradition for the program, the, the Memorial Day Sunday, because we're always on an hour early because of the Indianapolis 500, which will be uh, uh, live coverage from the Brickyard, courtesy of our friends at the IMS Radio Network at 11 a.m., so we got to make way for them. So we'll be on at 10, so hopefully you can uh, join us an hour early, uh, hopefully while you're watching the uh, Grand Prix of Monaco. Uh, you can uh, turn down the TV, turn up the radio, or turn up the uh, phone on your app. Uh, app on your phone that is and uh, listen to us here uh, with uh, Fast Track. Well, hopefully, uh, already got a guest for Charlotte end of things. We're going to talk to Jordan Bianchi next week, uh, motorsports journalist, one of the favorites here on the one of our favorites here on the program. He'll join us live from Charlotte, and then we'll go out to Indy. Hopefully, have a live guest uh, at Indianapolis. But let's go to the Western Hotline. And uh, joining us on the line is a motorsports legend, a winner in all three NASCAR uh, major national series. Kenny Schrader joins us on the line. Kenny, it's Dave Buchanan here in Buffalo. Good morning. It's so great to talk to you. Wow, it's good to talk to y'all. We got we're up here in uh, Canada. It's a beautiful day. Yeah, you are in Canada because you are at the Humberstone Speedway, which is not far from us. It's the closest racetrack to downtown Buffalo, and you're going to be racing at the Humberstone Speedway tonight. Uh, tell us what kind of cars you're going to be driving. UMP Modifieds. So, you know, we're we're the dirt car big block modified fans up here in Western New York, instead of that Ontario. But tell us how UMP Modifieds are kind of different from those cars. Yeah, well. We don't run near as big as tires, and the bodies aren't near as big. Our cars don't have a narrow, the uh, aerodynamic downforce that the, the dirt modified make. Uh, we're probably not a ton worse on power. Uh, I mean, we're down some. We, we run small blocks, but big small blocks, 430 cubic inches and stuff. And they're they're making right at 800 horsepower and stuff. So it's just uh, it's kind of a detuned uh, big block. 
Yeah, and he'll be racing tonight at Humberstone, and actually he'll be in action tomorrow, too, at the Merrittville Speedway over in Thorold, Ontario, uh, for uh, the, the Victoria Day weekend up there in Canada. And, Caddy, uh, what do you think about those two tracks? I think you've run at them before, but what do you think uh, of Humberstone and Merrittville? Well, I've, I've got laps around them when we were up here doing uh, sponsored uh, appreciation days, and we gave some people some rides and stuff. Never been able to, to race on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so looking forward to it. Uh, we ran last night at uh, South Buxton Raceway, mm-hmm. southern Ontario now, and we got rained out Friday night at uh, Osh Weekend. So we had a four-day swing up here keep us a little bit busy. Yeah, it's been rough weather-wise. Uh, my my home track on Friday is Ranceville. I think you've been up there once, too, doing some sponsor stuff. We got rained out uh, there uh, Friday night as well, too. Uh, Kenny, for those that don't know, obviously you ran in the Cup Series for so many years, a lot of great teams. Uh, you've been out of that for a few years, but since then you've kept very busy behind the wheel doing a lot of short track racing. Uh, how many races do you still run a year on short tracks around the country in North America? Well, this year, this year I, I don't know. We'll be lucky to get sixty in this year, but we've already been rained out sixteen nights. Mm. So, uh, you know, that's kind of kind of hurting our schedule. But we've been usually shoot for about seventy, and then we do uh, fifty or better of those sponsor appreciation days. So, you know, we're we're in a car one hundred and twenty days a year still. That's got to be uh, exciting. Is is that kind of like that's just your golf game? Instead of you know certain drivers, they retire and just go play golf. You just go short track racing. Yeah, I don't want to go play golf yet, so we're, we're pretty happy doing the short track race. Uh, you speak, yeah. You've got a, a, no, no time for golf. No time for golf. Yeah, a very busy schedule. You've got a big race next weekend, uh, the Little 500 at the Anderson Speedway. That's kind of the big deal, along with the Indianapolis 500 next weekend. And uh, that's a, a sprint car race on pavement, and uh, you've run it the last couple of years, I know. What is it like being in that event? <laughs> well... You know, we ran, uh, like, like you said, last two years. We finished the uh, 10th the first year in it. We finished ninth last year. And uh, it's a challenge. I mean, it's 500 laps around that quarter-mile uh, asphalt. Got to make a minimum of uh, two pit stops. And, you know, you might even pit on the green. You don't uh, – you just you just come in and you kick it out of gear. They they jack it up, change tires, fill it fuel, pull a fuel. You never get out of it. Push you back off push trucks will be pushing you back off on the apron while they're still running around there aren't green so it's it's very challenging have had a lot of fun doing it i've been very fortunate to drive for uh, brad and tara armstrong out of the indiana area so yes uh looking forward to doing it but it's a you know you did something at the end of the night yeah, I, I just survive. Getting to the checkered flag has got to be an accomplishment. Just to survive 500 laps there at a quarter mile racetrack, you just got to be happy finishing. Yeah, well, things happen pretty quick, and uh, <laughs> I think uh, they they tested the other night. They run right in the uh, very low 11 second category, so I mean it's it's extremely quick to run around there. I heard you have a pretty good spotter for that race too. The last couple of years. Yeah, I don't know if you'd call him that. But yeah, no, he, he's he's done us a good job. We're going to have the radio uh, uh, geared up better this year, so I can hear him. Uh, Joe Scott Nicky's spotted for us, and uh, we've had fun doing it. Yeah, Joe's. I work for Joe at the Race of Champions up here, and uh, yeah, I've heard some good stories about his trips down to Anderson to work with you. Uh, 
you've also got a lot of other great stories of, of racing here in New York State. Uh, I remember seeing you run the Race of Champions at Oswego. You, you filled in for Tony Stewart. You've run uh, the Moody Mile. At, at, I believe you run Syracuse at the Moody Mile. Uh, what are some of your memories of racing uh, open wheel modifieds here in New York? Well, I mean, when I filled in for Tony, we, we had a rough night that night. We wound up tore up. Uh, we went the first time we ever ran at uh, Oshwego. We flew up after the firecracker race in July, and uh, we run third behind uh, Mike McLaughlin and Brian Ross. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that was uh, that was a little better time there. But so many good racetracks in New York. We've had fun running them. Uh, you've run a lot of different races. Is there something still on your bucket list? Is there a, a race or a track that you haven't had a chance to get to yet that you still want to run? Not really. <laughs> uh, don't have a bucket list yet. We've uh, we've run at uh, closing in on 550 different tracks and, and had, obviously, a lot of fun doing it. Uh, we've only got two states in the country that we... Uh, that we haven't raced in yet, and we never set out to do that, so that's still not on the bucket list. But <laughs> when it comes time to think about quitting, we, we might have to do something there to get there. Very good. Well, Kenny, I'll let you go. I know you got a busy morning. Uh, looking forward to seeing you at the track tonight at Humberstone. I'll be there on the microphone. But thanks so much for the time. All right. Thanks for having us on. All right. Kenny Schrader from uh, Missouri, the legend himself, uh, Cup Series uh, former regular four-time winner in the Cup Series, but he keeps at it. You heard him. He had 70 races you know, in the car 120 times a season still, uh, and he's, he's been out of the Cup Series for five years. So it's, uh, he's one of, the, one of the great guys in racing, and uh, he'll be at the Humberstone Speedway tonight, and uh, they get going at 6.30. It's opening night tonight at Humberstone, so they're going to have the UMP Modifieds, which uh, I'm just interested because I don't think I've ever seen them personally uh, in person at, at a dirt track. So they've got a lot of cars that come from, uh, he mentioned South Buxton. Uh, they come on down from there. They'll be competing against Kenny, but then uh, Humberstone will have all their regular divisions too. Uh, the dirt car sportsmen, the uh, crate late models, Thunderstocks, mini stocks, and pro four trucks. So that starts at 6.30 tonight at the Humberstone Speedway. Uh, again, if you've never been, it's not far. Literally, it is the closest racetrack to downtown Buffalo in Port Colborne. Just cross the Peace Bridge. Uh, and then take Highway 3, and you can't miss it. It's right smack dab on the uh, right-hand side there in Port Colborne, Ontario. Uh, it's a nice little racetrack. Uh, enjoy my time up there. And then uh, Monday night action, uh, Kenny will be at the Merrittville Speedway over in uh, Thorold, Ontario. And uh, that's uh, the Canada, uh, the Victoria Day holiday, of course. And I'm trying to find the full shebang there for Monday. Well, I'll have to get it for the local racing roundup. Oh, here we go. I found it. Uh, tomorrow night, yeah, Kenny's going to be there. They've got the uh, sprint cars. They've got the action sprint tour, which I believe are the 360 sprints, the UMP modifieds, uh, their sportsman, Hoosier stock, six cylinders, and a school bus race on Monday night there at the Merrittville Speedway. That starts at 7 o'clock tomorrow. So if you're in Canada, have the day off, go enjoy it. If you're on this side of the border, you know, get out of work and then uh, cross over. Uh, Thorold is not far either. Uh, from Buffalo. It's probably the next closest track uh, once you get across the border into Canada. So you've got two chances to see um, Kenny Schrader in action in Canada. And uh, I re- remember the the night in Oswego, the race of champions it was supposed to be Tony Stewart. And it was the year Tony was going for his first championship. And, uh, you know, these guys have contracts. Uh, he had his contract with Joe Gibbs and uh, they were in, they were in hunt for the championship. So 
Gibbs, uh, Joe Gibbs, the coach, said, uh, you can't run a modified car at Oswego. So they got Schrader to jump in the car. Stewart, Tony Stewart still came to Oswego because he had to sign autographs and, and still had that part of his deal's contract to hold up to. And uh, But he wound up spotting for Schrader that night up on the, to- up the in the tower there at Oswego. And uh, I just remember... Uh, Schrader hit the inside uh, boilerplate there at, at the Steel Palace and uh, unfortunately ended his night. But uh, that was still pretty cool just to see that. And he'd run there previously, as he said, uh, I think, as he said, uh, racing against Mike McLaughlin and Brian Ross. I think he was a teammate uh, to Brian Ross in a second car for Ed Close, uh, the 69 team that uh, Reggie Ruggieri also used to drive for. Uh, so he's had some good runs there. But uh, just, uh, again, I love the, the, the continued tie-in with with NASCAR and short track racing, we need to see more of it. And, uh, you know, while Schrader doesn't do as much on the NASCAR side, he's still a great ambassador, I think, for, for short track racing. And as, you know, just people knowing him could get them to come to a short track that might normally not go there. But then you got guys, of course, like uh, all the guys that run with the Outlaws, Casey Kane and Tony Stewart, Kyle Larson, Ricky Stenhouse, you know, those names going over to um, World of Outlaws, you've got Ryan Priest, who, of course, is still going to come back and run with the Modifieds a few more times this year now that he's in the Cup Series. Um, you know, even Daniel Hemrick used to run Modifieds, and like Joy mentioned, he won that uh, Legends, that big million-dollar Legends race at Charlotte. That's kind of what put his name on the map uh, coming up through the ranks was he won the Legends Million at Charlotte. And, uh, you know, I there's not enough stories of guys coming out of, of – short track racing into the cup series as much anymore, you know, as, as there was say maybe 30 years ago, where kind of everybody, you know, you were coming out of the, you were like Mark Martin and Rusty Wallace coming out of ASA. You were Greg Sachs coming out of the modifieds. You know, there's, there's not enough of those stories. I mean, yeah, they still run legends cars and late models, but they don't really put as much time in, in the short track level because now there's such that urgency where they're getting the kids into the late models at 14, 15 years old they're in a, and then they're running ARCA when they're 16, 17, and they're in the Cup Series by their 20. You know, the, unfortunately, that window has become so short for driver development, we don't get to build the short track racing legends that get to go onto the Cup Series like Dale Earnhardt did. I mean, Dale, you know, followed in his dad's footsteps and running the short tracks down there in North Carolina and the late model sportsman and everything before moving up to the Cup Series. He was a he was a rookie in the Cup Series in his early 30s, I believe, just going off the top of my head. Uh, you know, by the time you're at that age now in the Cup Series, you're almost past your prime. So it's it's weird how it is the the window has shortened. But that's sports in general too. I mean, you look just uh, you know the guys that come out of college early to go play in the NBA or, or that want to come out early, early if they could to go play in the NFL. That that window has shortened up where uh, the younger guys get into the the pro levels in all sports uh, has certainly shortened. But I think it fortunately is hurt the short track world when it comes to motorsports because these guys can't build their legends, their their legend uh, in the short track racing world before going to the Cup Series. They just kind of, you know, dabble a little bit in in one kind of racing and legends cars or late models or something, and then they're quickly off running ARCA and trying to get truck rides and Xfinity rides, and especially if they have a lot of money behind them, they go right into those upper levels, so... But, again, go see Kenny Schrader uh, tonight at Humberstone or tomorrow at Merrittville, and really cool to talk to him. Glad we got him. That's why I didn't want to jinx it, because I always get these cool guests, and then for whatever issue, you know, the connection's not there, or he gets busy and doesn't answer the phone, which is understandable. Um, 
and but he was there. So cool to talk to Kenny Schrader. We'll see him tonight at Humberstone. Speaking of local racing, some tracks did get their shows in this weekend. We'll hit the local racing roundup. We get back here to wrap up this edition of Fast Track on WGR. Let's find out who visited Victory Lane this weekend. It's time for the local racing roundup on WGR's Fast Track. And we did see some Friday night action at the Freedom Motorsports Park in Delavan. They kicked off their season on Friday night. Max Blair picked up the win in the Super Late Models over Mike Wonderling and Dave Scott. Nice field of Super Lates at Freedom. Brad Rouse in the Sportsman over Josh Wilcox and Kyle Inman. Kurt Stebbins in the Street Stocks. Brad Shepard in the Mini Stocks. Dustin Skinner got the win in the Bandits. Ransomville, unfortunately... Uh, not really rained out, but just swamped out, I guess. The ground's still too saturated after the heavy rain Thursday night. Plenty of, not enough sun to kind of dry things out. Ransomville will try once again this Friday to get the season kicked off. Saturday night action, good times rolling at Genesee Speedway as they get their third season, show of the season in. Dave Dubois in the crate late models. Cody Wolf, second win of the year at a different racetrack. He got the win in the sportsman over Jim Harbison and Kyle Inman. Cody also has a win at the Outlaw Speedway in Dundee, New York this season. Uh, Josh Pangrazio in the street stocks. Brandon Shepard in the mini stocks, so I think that gives him two wins on the weekend. Allison DeWitt in the bandits there at uh, Genesee Speedway last night. Wyoming County International Speedway kicked off their season yesterday, too, over in Perry, New York. Uh, Greg Moult got the win in the four cylinders. Dave Krawczyk is back, yay, in the super stocks, getting a win over Eric Hastreeter and Paul Fly. Brian Hallett in the six cylinders, and Dan Majek getting the win in the SST Modifieds over Kevi Kevin Timmerman, KT. And uh, Gary Coon, Merrittville Speedway, their third show of the year last night. Matt Williamson got his second win of the season over Tim Jones, Pete Bicknell, Gary Lindbergh, and Todd Gordon. Justin Sharp, good to see Sharpie get a win there in the sportsman over Ryan Ferry and Brad Rouse. The Fonz got the win in the Hoosier Stocks, Jason Fontaine over Billy Bleach, Taylor LaFontaise in the four cylinders, and Josh Slater in the mod lights there last night at the Merrittville Speedway. Thank you to all the wonderful PR people who uh, either email us or post on social media the results from your, from the tracks out there. Uh, if you don't hear your track mentioned, please point them in my direction, either on social media or email me uh, the results. We can make sure we get them on the show every week. Uh, Lancaster Dragway at New York International Raceway Park uh, got their season started off, too, yesterday uh, with uh, test in tune for the Dragway program. Uh, it sounded like a good turnout and everybody pretty happy. They get going this Friday night with the weekly IHRA drag racing program. In fact, they have a test in tune on Tuesday, cruise night on Wednesday, and then Friday, uh, the first night of IHRA points for the drag program there at Lancaster. Uh, they got the uh, the Buffalo Street Outlaws and the TNT uh, Hot Rod Series as well, too, coming in. So a big show Friday night at uh, Lancaster New York International Raceway Park. So very exciting. Local tracks uh, now getting to full swing again tonight. Humberstone Speedway at 6.30. They kick off their season with uh, Kenny Schrader, the UMP Modified, plus their full uh, load of divisions uh, that they run on a weekly basis, including the Dirt Car Sportsman. And then Monday night, again, the uh, Canadian holiday, uh, Merrittville Speedway, 7 o'clock with uh, sportsman sprint cars and UNP modifieds Kenny Schrader and school bus racing apparently at the Merrittville Speedway tomorrow night. So again, some great action uh, across the border here over the next two nights. Also, the Race of Champions modified series got their season kicked off yesterday. Andy Jankowiak getting the win at the Shemung Speedrome over Zach Curran, Brian Sherwood, Zane Ziner, Matt Hirschman, the top five there at Shemung. Great turnout for the Race of Champions series. 26 cars on hand. That's a great start to the season. Uh, nice mix of drivers kind of from all over with uh, some guys coming up from PA, the Western New York contingent, the Central New York guys all mixed in. A nice mix of drivers, but Andy J. Uh, getting, we talked about it last week with Joe Skynicki uh, coming out short on the championship last year, but Andy getting a good start to his season, whereas Chuck Hosfeld 
got caught up in an instant. He finished 19th yesterday, so good to see Andy J get the win. Also, got to give a shout-out to the Catalanos. Uh, they were at Wall Stadium in New Jersey for the NASCAR Modifieds. Woody Pickett got the win over Blake Barney, Robbie Sum- Rob Summers, and then Timmy Catalano, career-best fourth-place finish. Uh, was leading in a, on a late race, like green-white checkered restart apparently, uh, but got passed but still won up fourth. First career top five for Timmy. And Tommy Catalano had a top ten run too, finishing in ninth. So congrats to the Catalano family for a nice run there at Wall Stadium. Patrick Emerling, unfortunately, transmission issues early on in the race took him out of the running, and uh, he fell all the way to fourth in the point standings because of that as uh, he was second going into the race at Wall Stadium, but now he's dropped to fourth in the NASCAR Modified Points. So uh, in 28 cars there at Wall Stadium. So good turnout for both Modified Tours yesterday uh, with, uh, what, 55 cars between the two series. Very excellent to see. Um, So more to come there. Uh, Thank you so much. Again, next week we're on at 10 a.m., a tradition unlike any other, our Memorial Day Sunday show with Indy, Charlotte, Monaco, the whole shebang. Uh, hopefully you join us here next Sunday at 10 a.m. on WGR. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ucalypt speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.